Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com Welcome to Radio 5G on April 20th, 2022. In the first hour, we will play two tapes with first Stu Peters and then Dr. Jane Ruby interviewing Dr. Brian Artis. The discussions are follow-ups to the stunning revelations by Dr. Artis concerning the COVID connection to snake venom. I said snake venom. (laughs) That connection is Every symptom of COVID and the horrible side effects of the inoculations are all the same symptoms resulting from snake venom. The original interviews with Stu Peters and then Mike Adams resulted in a storm of critics, while others reacted with, oh my God, this answers all the questions. In these two following interviews, Dr. Artis is answering some of those critics. In the second hour, Michael Henry Dunn will be here, and our friend Maya Natumid will also join us to talk about timelines and how to navigate the choppy waters of what is and what will be. So, with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Thank you for being here. Close to three million people have viewed Watch the Water on Rumble alone. Millions others watched on other platforms and thousands more are tuning in every hour. The thing is just exponentially exploding. So the question is, what now? If the truth about COVID is being covered up, who's responsible for it? Who can we go after? What should we be asking our elected officials to do? Selected representatives. For those of there out there who want to push this story along, where should they be looking? What should they be digging into? There's nobody better to ask all of these questions to than the star of Watch the Water himself, Dr. Brian Artis, who joins us now. You didn't really want to be a star. I know that. Uh, Briefly, I just want to know, how's the fallout been for you since the release of the documentary? Stu, when I came in and talked to you the first time in Minnesota, considering uh, security because of your background is what I wanted, I, I really felt this grave, intense worry and anxiety I've never felt in my life that This was going to be very problematic for me. And I did worry about the fallout. And what I really worried about was um, I have wanted people who have wanted to listen to me and have asked me to speak for them to their audiences, who have consistently done that for two years. I I didn't want to burn any trust in them that they had in me. I also didn't want any colleagues who have been saving lives this entire two years who have been motivating to me to want to all of a sudden – defame me, badmouth me, or even take a take for a second the idea and project it anywhere uh, not to trust me, that my intentions are, are bad. And so I worried somewhat about that because I really did only, I believe, be, I was directed by God, I believe, to actually go find this information. And then I know in my heart of hearts, I was told multiple times by God to make sure the world knows this. So great, I told you. Doesn't matter that uh, doesn't matter what happens to me. Doesn't matter what they say about me. What has come to light for me is over four months. Almost anything that has appeared complex, mysterious in relationship to COVID nineteen infections, any of their long term side effects, any of the side effects of the mRNA shots, 
the incredibly toxic effects of remdesivir. If you look at it with a lens that no one was looking at, that I believe God directed to me to go look at. If you look, just look, and looked at it through a lens of snake venom poisoning called envenomation, there hasn't been anything that hasn't been answered in research studies to back up everything I'm seeing and being disgusted by, being encouraged by in relationship to COVID-19. So there are some questions also that we've been getting a lot of, and I want to get to some of those here because I know that we're limited on time. So um, if it's in the water, uh, why aren't kids reacting? And I asked you this during our sit down. Uh, it's, it's not on the original film. It'll be in the extended version, uh, which I believe that they're working on right now, because as the editor said, he wanted to make sure that everything that was in the original documentary was able to be fact-checked, cited, and he went through and dug up all that research. So why are kids largely not being affected by snake venom? Well, this is a great question. And one of the things that, uh, one of the gaps that have been filled since you released the actual film, the very first night, Stu, I woke up the next morning after you released this and there were text messages to my phone of research documents that were now concluding for people and bringing logic and understanding to something that was perplexing to them. And it was this whole time for two years. Why does SARS-CoV-2, if it's so infectious and deadly, why does it not affect kids as much as adults? I had no idea what I was about to learn, even just this, yesterday morning. Did you know? I didn't know this. Did you know that by nature, children actually release and have in their bloodstream more melatonin hormone than adults? I had I only just recently learn- learned that yesterday myself. I did know that. I did not know, and these research studies kept flying into me, that melatonin, the hormone, is inhibitory to snake venom peptides or snake venom in general. And I did not know those research studies existed, but they do. This was another thing that allowed people, your documentary, allowed people to go look and see, is it possibly related that this query and question I've had for the last two years that never made sense, can it make sense here? Also, since I actually sat in this studio, people have been texting going, oh, my God, I've looked up snake venom and the side effects of losing hair. And it's there. This is a weird side effect to a virus you've been told that is actually fits back right into something that I've uncovered, unearthed, and it wasn't me that did it. <clears throat> I want the world to know who actually sent me the text. I asked this doctor after he saw the documentary if it was okay for me to let the world know who it was. It was Dr. Richard Bartlett who sent me the text about rattlesnake getting bit, and did you would you go to a hospital and get antivenom? This has been an incredible journey since... That man was inspired to send me that text that he knew would drive me to look at possibly, Dr. Artis, would you trust monoclonal antibodies? Because you've been talking bad about monoclonal antibodies. And the truth is I had to admit to myself I was wrong. I had done interviews about why I was negative about monoclonal antibodies. And I was wrong about that because they work. And then they tried to strip it from all the doctors and have because it works against COVID. It also works Against snake venom. The first sign of that, that it's good should have been when this regime, this administration started pulling it from everywhere and banning it and making it nearly impossible to get. What about pets? What about livestock? Uh, these, these animals drink this water. Yeah, so if it affects mammals, which are human, it's going to affect animals. Uh, they're already, just so you know, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife have a foundation. And they actually have been funding 
COVID-19 PCR testing of deer, for example, in Staten Island, and finding positive cases of COVID-19. Imagine what. It's either, now listen. Well, deer aren't drinking the tap water, though. But my dogs are drinking tap water. Uh, The cows and the pigs and the chickens that are raised on farms, they're drinking tap water. Uh, So I can't explain the deer thing. Um, That would suggest that it's viral and that it's being transmitted in the wild. But what about our pets? And what about this livestock? Should people be worried that they're eating envenomated food or that their pet could be potentially experiencing the side effects of this? Yeah, I think we should try to do this. Uh, Stu, I think you and I both agree that we have actually brought this to light, not to create more fear and panic, right. but to try to reduce it. You have to understand, no matter if we're right and absolutely certain that the weapon's in the water and that's how they're using it, you have to understand this has been a sub-lethal poisoning, and the majority of people are not dying from the weapon. I mean, you dilute anything in water or in the air, it's going to become less lethal than injecting it into your body, like the shots, like remdesivir and other yes. things. Yep. So it's not that dangerous. And they use animals to make anti-venom. They inject them with snake venom and then draw out the antibodies. There's probably mechanisms. I'm not a veterinarian. There's probably mechanisms in animals that actually are wild and now domesticated. They may have enzymes and properties in their body that protect them against snakes. Horses do. Maybe goats do. Maybe chickens do. I have no idea. But maybe. Maybe. What about the shedding, the transmission? What are these people shedding, and how does the venom theory match up to the spike protein findings? Oh, that's great. So in France, in April of 2020, it was determined by geneticists that the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2, when they genetically sequenced it, it was most similar to crate venom and king cobra venom, the spike protein. Now, if you happen to get venom inside your body, your body's going to try to get rid of it. Not any different than a virus, not any different than a bacterial infection. If you got anything into your body that was poisonous, toxic, including venom, your body's going to do four things if you're a male, five things if you're a female, to shed it out of your body. And to the degree you have more poison or venom than others, you're going to shed more venom or poison to others. You do this in these ways. You're going to get a fever and you're going to sweat it out. Or you're going to get diarrhea, you're going to poop it out. And then they're going to find it in your water like they're doing right now. Or you're going to pee it out and find it in your water. Or you're going to cough it out in the form of droplets, coughing, sneezing, hacking. And yes, can venom be distributed in the air? Of course it can. There's even cobras that spit it in the air into their creatures, get in their eyes. So yes, it could be exposed uh, through shedding. Women have a fifth way they shed poisons and toxins, which would help to explain some of the symptoms you're seeing with heavy menstrual flow in children, adults, and others. I mean, imagine if a breastfeeding mother who's got the mRNA shots, and let's just say, my assumption is there's actually snake venom phosphodiesterase in those shots that the two people that co-created it have been using since 2009 to cleave and cut RNA and DNA to do gene therapy. Drew Wiseman and Catalina Carrico, this is what they've used. Snake venom phosphodiesterase to make mRNA shots. If if that's what's in there and the mom gets the shots as a child, they're breastfeeding. You don't think that stuff could get in the breast milk and get into your baby and it would look like shedding? Of course it would. That's what would happen. So what about the reproduction of, you, of these spike think- proteins and that they just keep multiplying billions of times uh, in your body and the theory that uh, what about the long term? You know, uh, if you get bit by a snake, does it eventually go away? If it's in your bloodstream, 
you know, is this going, going to really be a long haul, long term problem for people who have been injected with this stuff? Yeah, everyone who has shared a stage with me, educating anybody, warning anybody. The concern has been all along that the mRNA of what's in those shots is getting into our DNA, and then our body's going to become a factory for replicating new cells of the spike protein that's getting inserted into our DNA. I'm telling you, the spike protein in France, April 2020, was identified as cobra toxin or crate toxin genetically. That's its sequence. And if you're injecting cobra venom or cobra toxin or crate toxin as a spike protein into your DNA, your body's going to replicate whatever that gene sequence was, call it a spike protein, call it snake venom, peptides, doesn't matter. Your body's going to start now making it. Well, the human body, which is a mammalian tissue, mammals' tissue gets destroyed in multiple ways by the shredding effect of peptides found in animal venoms. So if your body's replicating this stuff over time, it's going to shred the membranes of your blood vessels, and you're going to hemorrhage possibly and develop strokes, aneurysms. It's going to continue to shred uh, spike proteins. You could lose your baby, uh, have a miscarriage. Yes, it attacks the placental attachment to the uterus wall during pregnancy. It can also get into your ovaries. We already know it's doing this. We already know. The design of the actual mRNA shots is to get your body to generate and create spike proteins. In France, April of 2020, right before Bing Liu was murdered, they found that the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2 had the the closest genetic sequence identical to uh, Chinese crate snake venom and king cobra venom. And if the work that the two scientists at the University of Pennsylvania have been doing for the last at least 13 years, which has been getting mRNA into DNA, that's been all they've been doing, and they're using snake venom peptides to do that, or snake venom phosphodiesterase to do that, you might want to go look and see uh, if it's possible that there's snake venom properties in these. Your body's going to be generating these peptides that we know are destructive in the human body to lead to neurological diseases like Alzheimer's, prion diseases. Venom does that. I mean, imagine if you're generating this. I don't know why this is any more scarier than a spike protein that we know is per the Salk Institute, damages 28 tissues in your body all by itself without being tied to a virus. The scientists and researchers in April of 2020 figured out the spike protein was actually genetically sequenced, almost identical to three things, king cobra venom, crate venom, and then rabies virus. We're crying out loud. Why would we want to generate rabies virus spike proteins? I wouldn't want to do that either. Um, let's That's talk about Z, immunity a little blood. bit. Uh, if, if I come down with COVID, right, which we all know is fake, uh, we know that it's man-made, and now we believe uh, to be envenomation. W- speak to the immunity part of this, because a lot of people have been told if you get it once, you cannot contract it again. Um, I got sick. Um, I have not been sick since. So c- can you speak to the immunity part of it? Oh, absolutely. So this really did solve one of those questions for me, too, because, listen, I love and trust and honor what Peter McCullough has been doing all over the country There was a period just like me where I learned that monoclonal antibodies I was wrong about. Peter McCullough used to say you can get COVID once and you can't get it again. Then he realized, oh, my God, you can. And then he's been very open about that, even on the Joe Rogan Show. I mean, we're learning as we're going. But just so you know, if you view it as an envenomation, as the way that I'm exposing this to the world for all of you to just take a look, the next question would be, if you got bit by a snake and you had any complications as a result, Well, what if you got bit by a snake again? 
Are you going to have a reaction to it? There are some scientists who actually have suggested, and with animals and with humans, actually done snake venom envenomation tests and done low-dose venom testing to see if you can make somebody immune in the future, kind of like food allergy testing, environmental allergy testing. They'll give you little bits of the allergen to help your body build an immunity. Yes. Uh, so I just want you to know, if you got a toxin in your body or an infection, yes, you can get it more than once. Even in the realm of coronaviruses that they call the common cold viruses. I used to say this all the time, and I'll say it now. Even if it's just a virus, even if it really is a coronavirus, if you got a cold one time in your life, does that mean you're never going to get a cold again? Of course no. not. No. <laughs> no. Of course not. So that isn't true about coronaviruses in general. It doesn't even make sense. Yes, you can get them again. Yes, there could be a variation of that. Or they could just be poisoning you altogether. The study I supplied to your filmmakers, which I actually personally was shocked wasn't in there, and that's okay because I've been able to share it since, and you will too, I promise, on our follow-ups. In Italy, October 2021, peer-reviewed, published article, they found 36 different animal venom peptides in only the group of people in multiple cities in Italy who had tested positive for COVID-19. And the control group that they did PCR testing for and they were negative, they didn't find a single one of an animal venom peptide from snakes, snails, in the negative tested person. In the 20 who did test PCR positive for COVID-19, they found in their blood, urine, and in their poop, 36 different toxic venom peptides from king cobra snakes, spitting cobras, crates, vipers galore. And then they found 20 of the 36 they found belong to snake venom, different peptides. And yes, they all behave differently in your body. One of the things we discussed in the interview with you was the peptides themselves, they have selected from the 19 they know that vipers make in their venom glands. They directly target specific organs. They know this. Researchers do. They've been able to isolate these. Yes, they can synthetically make venom in labs. CNN was even reporting it in January of 2020. They've been doing it since 1989, I'm aware of. In mass quantities, they can do this. They don't need snakes to do it. All right, so they found these peptides are specifically targeting organs. I guarantee you, they have said from the beginning, everybody, CDC included, that those people with comorbidities have the highest risk of hospitalization and death from COVID. These peptides from snake venom can be isolated. The ones that target the pancreas and diabetics, the ones that isolate and target just heart tissue and heart disease patients, those who have neurological disease, they can target those inflammatory cells to cause and accelerate nerve growth factor leading to cancers, tumors, Alzheimer's, prion diseases, you name it. These peptides are specific. I am not a snake venom expert. But there's enough research I've seen over the last four months that has covered since 1956. I have covered thousands of documents. I am much more of an expert now than I was. Oh, we're aware the of the thousands. We're hearing right now about venom right now. It is shocking to them. It was shocking to me for the last four months, every hour. Please give yourself some time to just look at the fact that it might be possible and spend four months doing it before you decide to badmouth me that there's some conspiracy thing. Just go look. And see if your symptoms can be solved or resolved with those things that inhibit venom. Inhibit venom. I gotta, you know, ask you, like for example, and I'm gonna name him because that's what we do. Doctor Urso was all over the place 
uh, and he was trying to discredit me, trying to discredit the he called me a snake oil salesman for airing this documentary and then made the claim that you can't synthetically replicate venom. I just went to Amazon and found hundreds of them. Uh, you can buy synthetic venom products all over the place. Why would this Jesuit trained doctor, an eye doctor turned plastic surgeon, be out here just lying on Twitter and telling people, quote, don't watch the water and saying that this whole thing is snake oil and that it's a sham and trying to discredit me, thereby you and this whole theory. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I worried about the fallout from this from the people that I trust and love, and I have, and I do. And Richard Urso hasn't said anything personally to me yet, but he's been a dear friend. Actually, during the last four months, I've actually approached Dr. Urso to help me get uh, vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines, so I could test out my theory. Uh, he hasn't been able to do that. He told me he thought he could, but he's never been able to deliver on that. And I just want you to know, it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't know all of his background. I don't know the Jesuit connection or training. I don't know any of that stuff. All I know is I was surprised that uh, he reached out to you or voiced in the media not to not to play the documentary. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I just want you to know, if I just said it right before you asked me, I know it's going to be a hard thing to recognize, it was hard for me to conceive how it is anybody on the planet came out with a rule that you had to stand six feet apart and that you had to wear a surgical mask that protects you from a respiratory virus that we all know it doesn't do. We have heard a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> I just want you to know it's going to appear crazy because it's the first time you've conceptually even thought of the idea that venom could be the thing. And, Stu, you can attest to this. From the moment you pushed out your telegram thing about the water and the source and that trusted source was me to the moment you pushed the commercial and the teaser, I told you that I even called you each time. And I was like, Stu, the goal here is always to reduce fear and anxiety and panic. What I want everyone to know is that if you just look at what I'm trying to bring to the world is this truth that if you look at COVID-19 as envenomation, I believe we can stop the whole pandemic and any future variants and any future concern of how to treat these people because doctors around the world know how to treat venom. They've had a hard time trying to figure out how to actually handle a virus if you just treat it like venom from a venomous viper snake bite. Look at it like that and then go treat it. You will find you're as, as successful as you have been the whole time with the things you've been using Corticosteroids work against venom. Budesonide, which is corticosteroid, works against venom. Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, anti-malarials, are protective and inhibitory to venom. I just didn't ever know that. Zinc is protective against the detrimental effects of snake venom that depletes zinc from your cells, which causes death and disease. So that's why that's protective. NAC is protective against blood clots. Go use them. Please recommend them. Some medical doctors, which I am not one, will recommend aspirin, which has a similar property as NAC, to reduce blood clotting effects, which is a side effect of SARS-CoV-2, which also is a side effect of a ton of venoms. Well, I will say that I've been approached by a whole lot of nurses that have been nursing for a very long time, hundreds of them, in my Telegram and then private messages and text messages from associates of mine who work in emergency departments and have been placed in these, quote, COVID units since the inception of this pandemic, who all tell me everything that you said in that documentary now makes perfect sense, everything that they have been seeing, the D-dimer, all of that stuff. 
Uh, and they're like, wow, they're just mind blown. And they're like, yes, this is absolutely, I have no medical argument at all whatsoever to this. We have to keep in mind, there are a lot of doctors, especially in this alternative medicine treatment podcast environment that have made millions of dollars over the last two years treating a virus. They don't want to see that go away. Um, I want to talk about the water, and I know that we only have a few minutes left here. So let's just talk about the water. We've, we've established that this is going to be a less than lethal dose. It's going to be a diluted dose. It's not going to be like what you're going to find in the injections, the repeated injections, the boosters, or in the remdesivir, which is really designed to kill uh, and, and uh, all that. So in the water, do you know how it got into the water in a short two- or three-month time period globally around the world to infect this many people? Well, there's been an orchestrated, almost on-time planned effort, obviously, to look at water as a predictor in all countries, for communities, in every country around the world. They chose water to be the predictor for all communities to look for future outbreaks in your town. They're looking at water as a predictor for outbreaks of SARS-CoV-2 in multiple countries, throughout the U.K., throughout France, throughout Wales, throughout the United States this whole time. How is it getting there? If it's in the water and they're finding it in the water, I hope they're filtering it out of the water, but I've never seen anything on the CDC's website about them talking about uh, going at length to remove it out of the water. I'm not sure if it's so dangerous in the water and you're finding it there. What if it's recirculating back into our source water you do drink? Your wastewater becomes source water. They filter out the poop, the bacteria. Uh, I don't know if they're, you know, filtering out the SARS-CoV-2 bioweapon that they're testing in the water to be a predictor for future outbreaks in your town. How did it get there? I have been suspicious. This is me. I threw it at you. You asked me, how are they doing this? I said, I actually think they're doing it through the water. Can drinking venom have an infect, have a disease process effect in you? Yes, there was a study done in 2015 with rats. They put cobra venom in water and had them drink it and go read what happened to them. <laughs> Wasn't much different than getting bit. So do I, I question everything the CDC has done this entire time. And what's interesting is any pushback right now, you're actually saying to me that you trust the CDC, like all of a sudden, and you have it this whole time. The CDC has been doing something with your water, looking for SARS-CoV-2 in your water. Uh, I just want to put this together. It's called the CDC.gov Wastewater Surveillance. CDC Wastewater Surveillance means watching. The CDC is watching the water. It's not strange to say the bioweapons in the water. They've been looking for it there and predicting outbreaks from the water for the last two years. My weird suspicion is when I told you this, I said, why would the CDC not let the public know that they were doing water testing for SARS-CoV-2 since January of 2020 and only letting the public know they were doing it in September of 2020. I mean, that's odd to me. Why didn't you let people know you were, they were looking at the water? Why, why didn't they say? Why didn't they provide the data? It's just an odd thing to me. I haven't trusted the CDC in anything they've said this whole time. I don't, I don't know like why anybody would start. I, I, yeah, I don't know why anybody now? would No. Uh, so if it's in the water, and that's how it got in the water, is there anything that you would think that people could do to neutralize it to get it out of the water so that their family can consume water without being envenomated? Yeah, this was a question I had actually early on. I was wondering, uh, uh, oh, I just want to write up. This is a eugenics program they are specific, specifically targeting with these bioweapons, 
those who are sick, ill, elderly, and now going after children. Or Native Americans. Yeah. Also Native American. They're going after diabetics. Look it up. I didn't even know this. I've said for the last few weeks, they're targeting Native Americans, Hispanics, and blacks more than anybody else. Native Americans are dying per percent per capita of a race in America more than anybody else since the beginning of COVID in most states. They're also the highest, I didn't know this to the other day, the highest percentage race for diabetes in America. And this weapon, these peptides target diabetics. So anyway, that's just a, a, a grave observation. I'm sorry, Stu, what was your question? Getting it out of the water. Getting it out of the water. I actually wondered this for a long time. There was an interview done yesterday with Mike Adams. And this guy, go look at it on Brideon.tv. He did an interview with a guy who specializes in chlorine dioxide. I can't believe it. He did a whole interview with Mike Adams, Stu, and he said that he's got research to back that chlorine dioxide can neutralize and destroy all aspects of king cobra venom. How wild is that? And even if you put it in water, it helps to destroy venoms. Well, if if that's true, no, I didn't. I didn't do that research. If it is true, chlorine dioxide works. And then he did give some specification, Mike Adams did to me later, that MMS and chlorine dioxide are not identical. So whatever that is, go learn about it. Chlorine dioxide. Go watch the interview with Mike Adams. I, I did not know that. But uh, I would suspect that a few drops of chlorine dioxide in any water would be great. All right. And then finally, I know that we got to run here. Accountability. Okay. A call to action from you. If you were to say that now with this information, we should do anything, uh, which obviously we have to do something, what do we specifically call for? What is your call to action for accountability? Great. Let's see if I'm right. So this is what I said. I've actually tried to get remdesivir for four months. I've had doctors reach out to Gilead to try to get it, pharmacists to try to get it, and they can't get it for me. So let's call on the world to demand that we get remdesivir from Gilead, run it through some independent labs, just find out if I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, every owner and executive at Gilead Sciences should be thrown in prison. Anthony Fauci for promoting it should be thrown in prison if it actually comes back that it has any components related to snake venom which means it's not really an antiviral, it's really venom. That is a really quick thing that can be done, too. That's not like, well, that's too difficult to do. No, no, that's easy to do. Should be done. Okay, next. And just, you know, Mike Adams already wrote emails to Gilead yesterday saying that he's got the labs to be able to independently test it, please provide us with samples, and then they'd like to do a Q&A with them about those results. We'll see what they say. That's out there. And then number two, I actually want, and I do know there's been autopsy tissue samples that have been saved from people who died from in hospitals being treated with remdesivir and other drugs. How about you test their tissue samples and look for any of these snake venom peptides or toxins? How about you just do that? And if it shows up positive, then ask yourself, why in these people who died supposedly from a virus in a hospital, why do they have snake venom in them or properties of snake venom that kills people? And then go look at the tissue samples that have been supplied to pathologists like Dr. Ryan Cole. When he's seeing under the slide tissue samples of Micro blood clotting, this is a side effect of venom from vipers. These tissues should be evaluated. Those embalmers who are taking out blood samples send off that coagulated blood looking for the destructive components of snake venom. And if it's there and they all got mRNA vaccines, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Biological E, who creates Corbavax that literally can read Cobravax, 
All those manufacturers who have been selling and promoting them as antiviral preventatives should all go to prison. And audit the CDC as well. A full oh. audit of the CDC immediately. And any, a much and taller ask. These shots, held mandates, all of them should go to jail. Yeah. Uh, and where's the first elected representative that's going to say, yeah, yeah, we need to investigate this theory. I have heard crickets, nothing but silence from every single person who has sworn an oath and who has come into office, whether elected or selected, to represent their constituencies and to represent the America, the, the Americans. And we can set a standard here, but not one thing, not one peep from anybody in the United States Senate or in the United States Congress regarding a documentary that has been seen nearly three million times is exponentially growing. It's being viewed faster and faster. It's spreading to every corner of this planet right now. And not one comment from anybody in our elected government not one comment from anybody in the media but we know why because they're all funded by pfizer and blackrock and vanguard and the rothschilds banking systems and the rockefellers and klaus schwab and george soros and warren buffett these people are all corrupt wake up every single one of them and dr brian artis you are a hero you have stuck your neck out you have been the tip of the spear. You knew what was coming behind this. We talked about the massive amount of discrediting that was going to happen to you, the slanderous attacks that were going to happen from the media, from other doctors who've been enriching themselves based on fighting a virus that's been fake the whole time. And I commend you for that. I know what it's like to be the leader, the lion out there. Every once in a while, you have to yawn, and you're going to take chinks to your armor, and you're going to have to just deal with the cuts and lick your wounds, I guess, if you will. And I'm right there with you, brother, all the way. Thank you for your bravery. Stu, I love you. And I'm going to say this. I just have to th throw this out there real quick. I'm not the only one. I'm okay sticking my neck out. I believe it's been a God-driven thing to protect and prevent innocent deaths from occurring around the world and injuries. That's the only reason why I'm doing it. There is another guy, though, who's really wanting some attention. This guy was ignored, like you're saying we're being ignored by politicians. This guy wrote a letter to the FBI. All he received was a letter back saying, received, thank you. But in June of 2021... There was a guy working in U.S. counterterrorism who trained CIA and FBI agents. He sent the FBI a letter saying SARS-CoV-2 is not a virus, it's envenomation. And he has been completely rejected. No one's talked to him. Go look at him, call him, do interviews with him. He's got research for two years. He says he's got proof that they have been using snake venom peptides to cause the entire pandemic all along. His name is Dr. Tal Braun. I am not the only one. And he wants to be on a stage. Give it to him. Dr. Brian Artis, God bless you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. God bless. Well, there's no doubt that everything about this COVID nightmare has been a deception, a tangled web of lies and fear mongering. And by now, most of you have seen or heard Dr. Brian Artis's stunning interviews with Stu Peters and Health Ranger Mike Adams on his evidence that this whole thing, while it's still a mass genocide operation, it's got a new twist, snake venom. But before you start rolling your eyes, you might want to take a closer look. And Dr. Artis is here with me today to help. Dr. Artis, thank you so much for, I know, I know your schedule is insane after these interviews. It is. It's been a whirlwind response as a result of the interview with Stu Peters going live and then uh, on Steel Truth, yeah. Scott McKay, but Mike Adams, uh, we've had great responses from all of them. And I want to do something a little bit unorthodox in the beginning that you, you, that you had no idea I was going to do. 
Uh, I know you've taken a lot of uh, negativity. There have been a lot of critiques. There's just a lot of assumptions about your your intentions. And I want to say something at the top of the show. I've known you for about a year. I've known you to, to be completely consistent in everything you've done. You've helped people. You've been there for people. You've done nothing but teach people how to protect themselves. And I, I just want to thank you for everything you've done because you've taken the ultimate hit. And that's the loss of a loved one, your beloved father-in-law, which was murdered by remdesivir. But I just want to, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to get too dramatic, but I just wanted to thank you and tell you that we know who you are and we appreciate everything that you've done. I want people to know that. Well, thank you very much. My, just, my pleasure. I'll, I'll tell you that it really has been my intent all along this entire time is to try to thwart this massive agenda to create disease, harm, and death that would lead to the same emotional experiences I experienced in the first month of, or sorry, in the first week of February 2020. Yeah. They murdered my father-in-law in a hospital with ill-advised protocols. I have been outright upset, angry, bold, and trying to declare and warn the masses that there is a mass genocide attempt. Uh, and that's all I've done is try to warn you, protect you, we provided advocacy teams for people around the country and in Canada to help protect you, you and your loved ones in hospitals. It has never changed. Yeah. No matter what's just recently come to light, everything surrounding what I've done for the last two years has had one sole motivation, and that is to articulate things in a way, research things in a way, and then bring it to you and educate you in a way that you can make informed decisions that you will believe is best to protect you and preserve your life and health. Absolutely. And you've been 100% consistent in that. So I, 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 want, I want the audiences to know that. I want people to know that about you. So let's, let's get into it a little bit because I've, I'm so curious. I'm interested in getting some of the gaps filled in. This looks essentially then what you're saying as a, like a venom poisoning, right, from like multiple different angles. Would that be like an, a you know, correct characterization? Yeah, that's a great summary, actually. Uh, in all aspects of COVID, from the very beginning, its source origins, its genetic testing in China and in France between January and April of 2020, there's multiple research groups who came up with the same conclusion. The spike protein on SARS-CoV-2, this novel coronavirus, did not have the specific codon usage bias, which defines the source origin of the gene species. It was not bats. It actually was consistently between the two of them, independently, found it came from snakes, the Chinese crate and the Chinese king cobra. Uh, since then, in looking at all of this information, not only does the infections and disease and symptoms of SARS-CoV-2 mimic the effects of snake venom in the body, like all of them yeah. I have discovered, not only does it do that, the treatments in hospitals and the downfall of the internal organs as they are treated with remdesivir and other drugs. They mimic the exact same side effects of snake venom poisoning or envenomation, which is being injected with snake venom. And then when you look at the mRNA vaccines, and you've gone through this a bunch, when you look at the list of side effects that have been continued to be piled up and reported as a result of these mRNA shots, which is complex and mysterious, there's not a single one of them you can't look at and find that venoms from animals, including snakes and venomous snails, that they create those side effects. They do. Let me ask you like a question. A snake, yeah. Just like a snake that injects it inside of you, what's the difference with injecting it in a needle, possibly? 
Exactly. Let me ask you a question, because when we looked at the embalmers clots that he pulled out, I always said the ultimate, you know, fact checking would be to get a chemical analysis of what that is, especially since they had never seen anything like it before 2021. Bringing it back to remdesivir, have, have you been able to or have you seen any evidence that shows that the chemical structure of remdesivir is similar to something close to snake venom or snake genetic material? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm not a chemist, so looking at the molecule is not my thing. But when you look and read the description, the description of all the published known side effects, including the cardiotoxicity of remdesivir, <laughs> it's identical to what's called cobra toxin. And I go through this with Mike Adams. I show him right. on the screen, and he, he even said this. I brought up cobra toxin and descri- described and read from a toxicology website what the side effects to the heart cells of a mammal or human is from cobra venom, toxin. And then I pulled up what the Cardiovascular Toxicology Journal published about remdesivir in October of 2021. And he's reading both descriptors, and he goes, oh, my God, it's almost verbatim. Word by word. <laughs> they're yeah. identical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I will, I, will, I will tell you, for the last four months, I've actually had multiple doctors, pharmacists contact Gilead and try to get remdesivir for me to test. I've even had labs arranged to test to look for independently, is there snake venom peptides inside of remdesivir? Because its description on the emergency use authorization is identical to cobra venom and snake venom and snake venom anti-venom. So why can't we get that? It's crazy. Why can't we get that chemical analysis? Why can't we get it? Can we get it? Yeah. So Mike Adams actually yesterday announced to the world with me that uh, he's already put in several requests to Gilead to pay Mm. for, receive, and independently have tested. And he's got the labs to do it to see if what my claims are about remdesivir are true. And before anybody starts going, well, why are you telling us now without the proof? I'm just going to tell you, all you have to do is go look at all the documents I provided. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. interviews with Mike Adams. I went through everything, and medical doctors have reached out to me and said, after watching the Mike Adams interviews, which there's going to be three chapters of, yep. he said going through one document after another, it made the most clear argument of why it is you feel confident to present this information. If nothing was more persuasive, they've all yeah. said than that. Yeah, and, and I want to make a mention of that for everybody. Uh, in addition to the Stu Peters interview, watch the water that, that documentary slash you know interview, um, which I th- I felt was the emotional your emotional piece. You know where you and Stu really opened the door to this whole thing. And then uh, I want people to know there's a three part interview that Mike Adams did. I've seen the first two. They are stunning. They're incredibly informative. You have document after document, article after article. And I really encourage people to watch it. The third one is dropping uh, later, uh, uh, very soon. And because uh, we're going to air this in a day or two, but you'll already have part three. So I encourage everybody to look at that. Um, and, I'm, and I think what we need, Dr. Artis, is a nurse to get a conscience who's in one of these death hospitals to get a bag of remdesivir and remove it and bring it to, to you. That's what I'm calling for. Anyway. So I'd mention it. <laughs> or get the lyophilized powder. It comes to hospitals in little bottles, freeze-dried white to yellowish powder that they mix and dilute in either saline and then solution it. or distilled water yeah. and hang it. It doesn't um, matter what it is. I would, like Artis- I would like the substance. Yeah, absolutely. The white substance. That's right. That's right. Which you mentioned is the same 
a sort of formulation, white substance. Same as, color, same description, same preparation and storage. All of the, all of it is the same as what they do with snake venom and antivenom. It's crazy wild. I want to see that. I can't wait to see that chemical analysis. And it will happen. It will happen. Um, interestingly, in the in the Stu Peters interview, you kind of opened up early on with a very interesting text that you got from someone which really set you off on this whole journey. Um, can you tell us about that text? And when you do, uh, who is the the secret doctor's name, if you can tell us? Yeah, that's a great question. Lots of people have asked me about who that doctor was and if <laughs> I was willing to tell them who they were. At, when I actually filmed with Stu and we released all this, at the time it was released uh, the other night, I, I never asked him if it was okay because he was worried about my safety personally, so I mm. figured he might have been worried about his. Uh, but he is aware. And he, call, he called me, texted me many times since the documentary dropped with Stu Peters. And I asked him last night, I said, are you okay if I tell the world who it is? And he goes, absolutely. And then he has sent me multiple, not even joking, multiple lectures and speeches over the last two years where he actually references COVID to treat it like rattlesnake venom, which is weird. He didn't even put it together. He just said, you got to treat it like that. Okay. So this guy who sent me the random text December 1st, 2021, who put together, put me on this journey that God, I believe, is directed. And he will tell you the same is Dr. Richard Bartlett. Wow. Wow. Dr. That's Richard amazing. Bartlett and we're all going to, we're all going to go back and, and look at his, his presentations. He, yeah. He sent me three yesterday and he goes, Oh my God, did you know I mentioned this? Uh, he, he's in the Clay Clark events all the time. And he goes, he was sending me all these different clips and he goes, look at this minute. Look at this, uh, look oh at this timestamp where I actually mentioned snake venom like throughout I, the two years, but he's never put it together. He will tell you all of this was directed through God, through me, for some reason. Yesterday, he called me. He goes, look, you have to understand, you were right on with this. Richard Bartley called me morning and said, my dad even called me and said, oh, my God, everything that he said about this being related to snake venom, peptides, or poisoning explains every symptom of SARS-CoV-2 we're seeing in hospitals and from the vaccines. It totally explains it. The coagulation issues, the neurotoxicity, finally – how did he get there? And Richard Bartlett said, you have to know something, Doc. I have to tell you this before you get slammed in the world by people on your side that has been perceived, those right. who loved you, that it appeared. He goes, I need you to know something. He did not tell a single medical doctor to go look here. He didn't tell a DO to go look here. He didn't tell any other acupuncturist or chiropractor or scientist. He gave it to you mm-hmm. because he's blessed you with this ability to go into like an investigative journalist to go tie together the narrative that then can be articulated to the masses. And then he said, now go let the researchers and scientists prove it because you're right. So this is what we're trying to do is allow the world yeah. now to go fill in the gaps. And I think the other re- there's another reason he, he came to you because he knew that you're not compromised and he knew that you'd be honest and bring it forward. Too many of the frontline doctors are very suspicious to me now and they're mostly MDs and I worry about it. But that's another topic. Um, why do you think he didn't just call you one night and say, hey, Dr. Brian, you know, I think it's snake venom. What do you think? Why do you think he did that sort of interesting little text to let you figure it out on your own? Yeah, I will tell you, he actually had no idea about venom possibly being SARS-CoV-2. He actually sent the text on December 1st to me because someone told him I was bad-mouthing monoclonal antibodies on an interview with Kate Daly on InfoWars. Oh. And he 
in Odessa, Texas, for the last several months at that point, had a very successful monoclonal antibody infusion center using Regeneron. And he had already told me multiple times before this text and before I went on InfoWars that he was seeing early treatment-wise success in over 1,200 patients every month in Odessa, Texas with monoclonal antibodies. And I asked him before I went on InfoWars, I was like, so, Dr. Bartlett, have you ever seen monoclonal antibodies as you're using them cause kidney failure, multiple organ failure, or death? No. And he goes, no. And I said, great, then it must be safer and better than remdesivir. Thank God. Keep using it. And then I received six research studies from another doctor you would know like a week later and was like, are, how are you with monoclonal antibodies? Here's some studies. Look at these. Mm. And when I was asked or approached by Kate Daly to do an InfoWars on monoclonal antibodies, I badmouthed monoclonal antibodies. And it wasn't the short-term use of them. It was I had concerns from these research studies that I was given. Sure. It actually, it actually disclosed that the monoclonal antibodies being used were derived from cancer cells in the spleens of pigs. So in the interview, I was like, what good mm. is it going to do long-term to inject possible carcinogenic cellular tissue into the body of a human? I mean, I don't know. Short-term, maybe it works. Long-term, what are the side effects? I would just continue to promote the other things is what I said in the interview, like hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, Richard Bartlett sent me on December 1st after people reached out to him and said, uh, you've got to probably talk to Dr. Artis. He's, he's, he's not talking very highly and that'll create confusion about monoclonal antibodies and early treatment for doctors around the country. He sent me that text because he knew I internally would say to myself, of course, of course. Dr. Bartlett, I'm right. venom for rattlesnake bites. Wait, what? And then my next thought, he knew I would do this. I'd go like this. Why are you asking me that? And yeah, then the- I would have to look only to find out that it is true. I did not know this. Antivenom is actually made from monoclonal antibodies. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And he knew I didn't know that. He wanted me to look internally and say to myself and admit that when in a life-saving situation, I would trust monoclonal antibodies. This is what he wanted me to get. Yeah, it makes he perfect no sense. I- yep. He had no idea what this was going to do to me. Because immediately I went like this, That's wait a minute, if antivenom wow. is monoclonal antibodies and monoclonal antibodies works against COVID, what does the CDC, NIH, and FDA all say about monoclonal antibodies? Oh, my God, they say don't use them. Right. And now they're taking them away from all the United States. And I have not trusted anything they've said this whole time. And then I had to well, admit to myself, Jane, yeah. that I was wrong about monoclonal antibodies. And then well, that's I wanted okay. to know. But, yeah. I, I was going to say – you know, all credit to you because it, back then and still, they're experimental. They didn't complete their full trials. I would have had the same doubts. But now his question, would you go to a hospital to get snake vent or to get antidote if you were bitten by a snake, makes perfect sense. I totally get it. He had no idea it was going to make me go like this. Wait a minute. If it's antivenom that monoclonal antibodies are, are used for, or that is the therapy, yeah. how come it's working against covid I've never heard of this, but is there some snake venom connection to the source of COVID possibly? I had no idea that it was going to upend my whole world for the last four months as I dug into this. You know, I um, I want to switch gears, uh, if we could, to the water. Uh, sure. Of course, I haven't seen the third 
uh, Mike Adams interview, and I don't know if it's addressed there, but a lot of feedback from my social media channels asking about the water. Uh, you know, you, you actually all referenced when you talked to Mike uh, the fact that they make antidote or antibodies, they generate them by slowly envenerating, um, if I'm saying the right, envenomating rather, um, animal, large animals like horses and cows, and then they extract those antibodies and use them in treatment. Um, if, if it's diluted in water, A, people are asking, Dr. Artis, can you tell us how are, are they slow poisoning us? And if they are, aren't they just, aren't they just desensitizing us and helping us build our own? It's like the opposite of what you would think. So what is it with the water? How are they doing it? And how, isn't it diluted? Why is it, why is it dangerous? Not that we want it in the water, but. Yeah, that's a great, great question. So this is one thing I knew I'd have to handle. Um, and I'm, I'm totally fine doing it. So I'll give you all of my perspective. So I just went on with Stu about two hours ago and we did a follow-up to the actual documentary release. And one of those questions was about the water. And I said, look, everyone needs to understand something. I only came to you, Stu, because I have this entire last two years tried to dispel fear, anxiety, and panic. And one of the things I thought this information would do is help the medical professionals who are actually treating COVID-19 patients and future variants that are coming and injuries from mRNA vaccines. I thought this would allow them to see with a different lens how to approach treating them, which would take away fear, anxiety, and panic and confusion. I never intended to create more mass fear and anxiety. Please stop panicking about the water. Stu asked me when I brought up that there's this huge connection to everything related to COVID and snake venom. And he goes, well, how do you think they're actually um, distributing this yeah. as a weapon? And I simply said in our own private little meeting when I first flew up there to talk to him, I just said, I actually think they're doing it in the water. Today on his show, when we recorded earlier, I said, when he asked me again, I said, look, you have to understand, it doesn't matter what poison you put in water. It's going to be massively diluted. And I have said for the last two years, this bioweapon they created, I don't care if it's a virus in the air. I don't care if they put a sure. poison in the water. I have said the whole time that this bioweapon they have spent hundreds of millions of dollars creating for decades, they realized real quick that it sucked because less than 1% of all people around the world have died. So even in the Stu interview this morning, I said, just so you know, less than 1% of the whole world died. And if it's in the water or in the air, you've been breathing it and drinking it. And the majority of you live. Yeah. In fact, 100% of you are still alive. So please don't worry about the water. It is a sublethal dose, even if it's in there. And then I yeah. went like this. For all of those out there who are saying to me, why would you even say it's in the water? And that could be the possible delivery system. I need you to know something. The title of his film he did, I didn't have anything to do with the edit. He called <laughs> it Watch the Water all on his own. I did not. I would have called it Look for Venom is what I would have called it. I just want you to know. Right. I just want you to know, I just I, please, everybody take this very seriously. How do I know it's in the water? I just want to answer this real quick and get it out of the way so we can go to your questions. And stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just want you to know, if you go to right now on one website, go to cdc.gov, yes. wastewater surveillance. Okay, listen to me. Do that. Got it. Type it in, and then I want you to look at the screen, and yep. I want you to take your finger, and I want you to circle the word CDC and the word water and surveillance. The CDC is surveying your water. Surveillance means watching. The CDC is watching water. 
They are watching the water. Could be a clue. Respiratory virus. Could be a clue. And you know, to your, to you know, I mean, understandably, I, I, um, you know, when you're first figuring things out. You knew what you had, but you didn't know a lot of the deliveries. You know, it's perfectly natural to say, well, it could be this, could be this, could be this. And then that's how we refine things in science. Then we get more information and all that. It was Stu who was telling the audience weeks ahead, hey, you know, bottles water only. And we were like, wait a minute, you know, whatever. So I get it. And I understand it as a scientist. We build on information. In fact, just for kicks, I told Stu this morning on his little interview, I said, Stu, you know, I called you every time you release something <laughs> about water I, i'll call them every time and i said it in the interview i said i called you every time and i said look this isn't to create fear and panic stop talking about the water i want <laughs> to address the venom i want people yeah. looking for venom yeah Look for venom. yeah i want to talk about that um in in uh we have a couple of minutes in this segment and thank you. You're so gracious to do a second uh, part two with us because people are hungry. They have a lot of questions and I think this is really helpful. Um, I wanted to just ask you, do you, you know, you're saying look for the venom and I love that because we've got these new, I'm very suspicious. We have these new two uh, pills that the FDA, which is actually a department at Pfizer and Moderna now that they have uh, authorized malnupiravir and Paxlovid. Should we be looking for those same kinds of signs? I mean, these are very dangerous drugs. What are your thoughts about those two pills? Uh, like a minute or two before we go to the next segment. Yeah. So the reason why I think I'm on Pfizer's hit list to be assassinated in the next two months per Zelenko's intel is because in a presentation two weeks before Zev called me, yeah. I was asked publicly while being filmed live what my thoughts were on Paxlovid mm-hmm. from Pfizer. And I said, I wouldn't trust that drug from Pfizer for a second. Do you know that inside of that drug is a compound that is a neurotoxin and a coagulant of your blood, which actually operates and functions exactly like toxins in snake venom by the way i did not say that on stage i just said i would not trust that drug from pfizer for a second yeah Yeah. anyway that's why i think i might be the target i would not trust that drug well i want to talk about that when we come back in the next segment uh about your your safety and um i know people are praying and they want you to stay safe um Let's let's uh, wrap up and we'll come back on the other side. You won't want to miss this. We're with Dr. Brian Artis, and we're talking about. Okay, so yes, yes, all right, there he is. Yeah, I had myself muted, so we had a bit of silence there. But this is Nancy back, April twentieth, twenty twenty-two, Radio Five G, and Michael Henry Dunn is with me, and um, I'm hoping that Maya is going to join us. So in the meantime. I thought it was really interesting what what was being said there towards the end about, you know, how that watch the water has got everybody up and on. There's snake venom in our water. Well, there may be. But as he says, you know, that's misleading. And it is, you know, don't fear and panic. He says, look, don't go into fear and panic here. Watch the venom. Look for venom, you know, because of the complete similarity of not only the genetic, you know, composition but the effects you know the side of effects of and envenomation um and and the pandemic so it's it, that's the big headline for me is you know this has got sent around with everybody kind of the headline being you know they're putting snake venom in our water that's the cause of all this well as he says it's so diluted that is not how it's being effectively distributed because it's not being effectively distributed as he says less than one percent of the 
of the planet died and it's not having the effect they needed it to have. So um, anyway, this is, you know, but but the facts of the composition of, of the so-called virus and and snake, but this is this is huge. I mean, it's just I, I, I love the, the clarity of the information he's bringing forward with this. Well, I have to admit, I still have not seen the um, two, Micah Adams and the Stu Peters. I've not seen them. I've listened to Jan Shaw, Shaw, um, Jan Shaw uh, talk about them and to read quite a bit of what was said in them. And he presents, I mean, there's just so much. He's got all of these documents and people can go and look at the documents and see it. But because these two were follow-ups, I felt they were better ones to because they also kind of summarize. So for people that don't, if this is the first time you're hearing it, it, it it's astounding. It answers all the questions to what the COVID <laughs> symptoms are and what happens after you get the inoculations. It's just stunning. And, and you know, we had so many questions. I mean, even in the 5G connection, we know that when it first started out, the cities that had the 5G were the ones that we were seeing the COVID outbreak in. Wuhan, northern Italy was 5G, New York City. Those were the ones that, so, you know, we looked at that because they were the same symptoms that you were going to get from 5G poisoning. But the question I kept coming up with, and it kind of like, okay, you think it's 5G, and it very much may be 5G, but what about all these other pockets where they don't have 5G? What is happening there? And there was a question of aerosols being brought out. Um, now, this is this going back to this water testing is kind of interesting. In that, if you're testing the water, what are you testing for? They've never even been able to identify the virus of COVID. What are you? How are you going to tell that it's COVID in in people's urine? When when nobody's identified the virus, ever, right? So yeah, that's, that's the thing that that remains elusive here, and I think. What, and this answers it. What they were looking for was the was the the poison, because they knew that there would be poison if the system was if their grand plan of you know killing off and genocide of the planet, here you know, planicide. We should call it planicide. You know. What were they? They were looking for the to make sure there was enough poison coming out of the urine and the in the poop to be able to say, "Oh yeah, look at this." <laughs> you well, know, we yeah, got stuff out there. They needed multiple delivery systems, and so you know, five um, G being the primary one, and it's on NIH.gov's own website. The in-depth, peer-reviewed article bringing out the correlation between five G and the pandemic. <laughs> Amazingly, I think it's still there. Uh, I just want to give you an update, Nancy, on um, uh, Maya just texted me that she did um, send back an invitation that Skype is telling her, waiting for Nancy Hopkins to accept your invitation. So if you are just able to pop that in there, she'll be able to join us. She sees it. Okay. All right, Maya. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to shift a little bit. I mean, all of this is about controlling the narratives, right? And this is what um, Reverend Maya Nartuman. Maya, are you with us now? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? We hear you fine. Welcome to Radio 5G. Oh, 
Thank you. It's been a while. I'm so glad to be back. Hello, Nancy. Hi, darling. I know. I just well, I listening to your tape earlier, and we're going to play a tape that uh, Maya sent me. But listening to it, I was just like, oh, I'm just so was so grateful to hear your voice again. You know, it was just like, oh God, okay, yeah, you know. And um, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, and and let me just say that um, you know this is this tape we're going to hear from Reverend Maya is uh, part three of a series that we did on uh, Blue Star Rising, the Templar Awakening, our YouTube channel, on um, what Maya is calling reality wars and the various you know, means by which um, timelines are attempted to be manipulated because it's a quantum dynamic that, you know, if you have a sufficient number of people focusing intention on a certain outcome, you know, that affects reality. That's part of the quantum dynamic. And so, um, Maya, do you want to do a little more introduction of of this particular um, audio clip we're going to hear? Yes. um, Well, well, before before we do this, I wonder, did you listen, Maya, just because we had the first hour, I want to kind of wrap that up. Um, okay. Did you did you listen to the first hour, or are you familiar with the concept that snake venom is behind the whole uh, pandemic? Uh, yeah. Well, in fact, I've just been working with that, and um, I have some information on that for what it's worth, uh, which I could share <laughs> if you want. Yes. Yes. Please. 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 Uh, okay. Um, so if you. Um, well, first of all, Tho's take on it is it's not that there's just they're just using snake venom. I mean, that's everybody'd be dead by now. I mean, it's too clumsy. So uh, what they're doing is they I believe it's either synthetic or it's a finely tuned uh, derivative. And uh, but it's probably synthetic and it's just a part of a mix. And all of this has to come together so that it is um, uh, sensitive to. Uh, the commands given by the 5G entering the H marker that they have uh, made sensitive to receive those signals. So, see, it's not just snake venom. It's but there's there's a truth to this, but it is only a part of the whole picture, and it's not even real snake venom. But it has the same components, and it's been um, you know created to match those particular components but it has to be it has to be sensitive to control otherwise everybody be dropping dead including them (laughs) right that makes sense to me um as i was saying you know multiple delivery systems well converging and carefully designed to converge delivery systems as you're talking about with the h marker reacting to 5g they can choose to amp up 5G, you know, in certain places at certain times. That's just a fact of millimeter microwave radiation and how the system was developed over the last four decades, as, as Nancy could tell you. So, um, th- yeah, th- thanks. What do you think about that, Nancy? Well, thank you for that information. Yeah, um, I, I don't think that anybody thinks it's anything except this complicated mix of whatever. And But the key to this, is the thing that I find so exciting is that it's very difficult to test for 
5G poisoning, but it's real easy to test for peptides of snake venom. So now you've got a situation where you can say, look, at you've got snake venom in the revestimere. You've got it in the, the shots. It's probably in the water. It might be aerosol. You've got it. But the people, and, and they're so, again, they can test for it. They can look at the, uh, in the, 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 you know, the tissue from the studies from people that died of COVID and the mortuary uh, stuff that they've gotten that they've had to deal with, you know, test it. If it's got the, the venom in it, any any version of it, because, yes, they do make synthetic venom. And as a matter of fact, you can go on Amazon and buy it. Ah, well, uh, if you look at the World Health Organization, uh, they have an article on it. Of course, this is RFK Jr., so I, I trust it not as being perfect, but, you know, as being honest. Let's put it that way. And um, there's an article there. I can't quote it at the moment because I wasn't prepared for this. But um, and they're saying, oh, well, it, it, this doesn't match and that doesn't match. So we don't think so. It doesn't say absolutely not. But, you know, so but the problem is, see, with both sides of the equation is that they they're they're missing the whole picture which can disguise it and so neither side is 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 quite right but both sides has a piece of the picture you know this is the problem with everything nowadays that's why it's so confusing because we get all these different pictures and we can't just say oh this is fake this is true this is fake this is true because there's often truth in each part but they're not getting the whole picture. I'm not saying that I am either, but I trust my Felthic source. I've been working with it for, you know, 55 plus years. And, you know, it's been very reliable. That's all I can say uh, in ways that I could actually say it's reliable. Um, so I do trust it. But uh, what what it is, it's just that there's so many different components of all of these things that we're talking about. So we have to be careful and not pin any particular donkey on the tail, <laughs> the tail of the donkey. Rather, We have to say, well, this little bit, let's put with this little bit. Let's say there's a missing component here. You know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Like blind people trying to build the elephant. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, thank, oh, you. thank you. Yeah, well, well, Nancy, um, can we go to can we go to the table? Yep. Yes. And if she wants to say more about it than you did, um, we can do yeah, that. Yeah, introduce um, the... Um, okay, well, yeah. no, this was... Right, this tape was made just before, well, several days prior to April 18th, which was the big day that everybody was... A lot of people were, you know, predicting on. And so it, it goes into that, mentions it a little bit. Of course, nothing happened on that day um, in regard to this. So it talks a little bit about that, but the main gist of the of the video is not about April 18th. It's about how to how to read the tea leaves, how to understand uh, how these prophetic systems work, like looking glass. Now, I didn't go in depth, of course not. It's only 13 minute long or 14 minute video, but I gave a a, a synopsis of it from the Celtic perspective. Right, and um, just to let everybody know, this uh, can be seen as a video on Blue Star Rising, the Templar Awakening, our YouTube channel. Yes, and I have it also on that YouTube channel. I also have it in playlists with its own name, The Reality War, so you can get parts one and two as well. None of them are long. Right, okay, so let's go to the tape.
As I speak to you today on April 11th, 2022, the topic of April 18th, 2022 is going viral on the internet in regard to Project Looking Glass and what these persons calling themselves the Guardians are saying they have seen in the future that begins with some dramatic and dastardly event occurring in New York on April 18th. I would like to unpack this from the Thothic perspective. I'm going to refer back to the Reality War Part 1 and Part 2 and other things that I have uh, mentioned on various video shows, programs about the future and how reality um, timelines work, the fractured lines, and all of this. I don't want to go into too much detail about what I've already said on this. Um, I would suggest if you're a little bit in the dark about what I'm saying here, you go back and listen to Reality War Part 1 and Part 2. But in brief, we're dealing with quantum fields and, you know, the particle versus the wave. If you watch it, it creates it. So your focus of attention is where things germinate. Now, it's certainly true that I have been speaking about events in, the, in certain timeline futures, but you'll notice that Thoth never gives me absolute dates of anything that can be disaster. Or he doesn't give me major details about how things are going to be. Like, for instance, in speaking about the, um, the Catalina Island and how in the future that we wish to create, that is the highest potential of the future, timeline, Catalina will rise from the sea a little bit more and all the other Channel Islands will connect to it and it will be a much larger island and it will literally be radiating the qualities of the finest qualities of the ancient continent of Mu, Lemuria, but Thoth prefers to call it Mu because that was, he says, its truest name. And um, it won't be some, you know, complete revival of Moria, but it will be, you know, it'll have, it will be a dominant light point on the planet. And if the other timeline that seems to be trying to form here occurs, then it won't be that, you know, that won't happen. And there will be a great deal of new, new guard owl control of that region and a lot more. But you see, he never goes into detail. He doesn't say, well, this is going to happen. In the, if you don't do it, you know, we don't get it right. Well, this is going to happen. And this awful thing is going to happen. And this terrible thing is going to happen. You know, he stays away from that. And the reason he stays away from that and encourages me to stay away from that is because that tips the scale into self-fulfilling prophecy. If we look at it and say, oh, my God, this is going to happen if we don't do something and this is going to happen and that will happen. We are literally giving it power. Now, that doesn't mean we close our eyes to things. Obviously not. I mean, he's telling us about certain future uh, potentials that we want to uh, avoid and move into a higher perspective. But you notice how he does it. It's a very fine line. It's like delicate surgery. 
you don't want to clip an artery. And that is what this is all about. So when I am seeing with both over my shoulders, so to speak, such detail being given to this April 18th and all that would ensue as a result of it and all these horrible things that would happen, that is a real red flag to me. Now, I'm not saying that these particular people are doing that on purpose, but they may not be understanding how this works. And they may be also influenced out of their fear, not a, not anything other than their fear. You know, if you have fear, then the negative aspects, the arconic cloud can influence that fear to go in a, in a wrong direction, even no matter how well-meaning you may be. And so um, I just need to bring this to people's attention. I don't have a huge audience, but I would really suggest that if you can share this with people who are aware of this April 18th thing and, you know, trying to focus their energies on not letting this happen, um, that what they need to be focusing on is the higher event structure, not trying to not make this happen. And that means flowing into true Metatronic full light field, spreading violet, the violet light of the violet flame purification along the planet. You know, this kind of focus rather than saying, oh my gosh, we've got to stop this. It's like if you want to um, affirm something and you want to maybe write it down on a piece of paper and put it on your altar or whatever. For instance, you don't want to say, please cure my cancer. You want to say, fill my body with healing light so that there's nothing in my body but health and vitality. You see, you don't want to use the word cancer on your affirmation. It's the same principle. There is one other thing I wish to address concerning this. As I stated in Reality War, the Reality War Part 2, I believe, whenever you look at the future, you are looking at it from a particular point in your reality, in your present. This is a quantum experience. Now, if you looked at it 20 minutes later, it would be so little changed you wouldn't probably realize it. I mean, if you were comparing notes, you know, if you looked at it uh, at 1 o'clock p.m. and then you looked at it at 1 uh, 10 p.m., uh, well, you would... Uh, you would see so you wouldn't be able to notice there was any difference probably, although there would be on a microscopic, a micro level. Uh, but if you looked at it the next week, well, you still might not know. You might think, oh, it just seems like something's a little different. Tiny thing, but you may be, not be able to recognize it. What I'm trying to say is if you looked at it two years later, it would begin to look a lot different. Like, well, I looked at it, you know, back two years ago and now, this is a little different here now. It's not quite the same. So it has to do with how you are, the, the timing of when you are looking at it, because your reality time frame, your now moment is changing all the time, which shifts the future that you are seeing in your potential connection to it. Yet even as I say this, 
Thoth is giving me a correction, and that is that when you looked at it the second time and you received the information of that future, that would change it all for you. So you wouldn't remember that when you looked at it the first time, it had been different. It's all a, a quantum experience. However, why is it that we can, can agree on some kind of experience? Like I can agree uh, with my friend, if we both walk out the door together, that we walked out the door together. Because there's something called consensual reality that helps to bind us together, to bring us into this, this full spectrum of, oh, I agree with you, you agree with me. That, of course, is flawed because we have a lot of disagreement in the world and not just on, on issues, but on how people see things like car accidents. People see them very differently sometimes. So it's not perfect, but it helps to be the, the glue that brings us together in some kind of consensus. Then there are the warping of the timelines uh, that are intentionally done by certain off-world beings. So we have that factor coming into play. They could give you a picture that's not really that connected to your reality stream, but they would like to take everybody down it because it's what Thoth calls a box canyon where they can uh, manipulate more freely and create their own structures for you to believe in. So how can anyone predict the future? Well, some people really do, but they are not 100%. And there are many factors that play into how they are able to do that. That's a whole story into itself. I'm trying to make this short. I want people to be able to listen to it quickly and to digest it without too many twists and turns. So I'm not going there right now. It's not that you can't predict the future, but what future do you wish to predict? How And right now on the planet, the way we are positioned in our electromagnetic field and the properties that are changing it from the center of the Earth in coordination with stellar events are making time much more mutable, much more fluid. Timelines are becoming like little waves of spaghetti now rather than, <laughs> than straight, you know, from point A to point B. So we have all these factors filtering into the picture. And these factors that were not present uh, even uh, 25 years ago, not to the degree they are now. So, again, let's come back to center on what we're discussing with the April 18th thing and the looking glass and all of that. It's important not to get scattered. It's important not to go off down these timelines time that might happen. Uh, this will happen, this will happen, and we're going to have to stop this because this is going to get blown up and that. And then you just get in there and you're just like raiders of lost art, one adventure after another. And, you know, you're swinging from the vines with your, with your whip. <laughs> and you're losing contact with divine spiritual presence. We must remain connected to that. We need to know in general the potentials and the science, the true science behind all of this. But at the same time, again, that fine line has to be walked. And don't clip a vein while you're, you're in surgery. You have to stay centered in your consciousness and in the higher field of creation of light.
And that is where you'll find the help, the assistance from the star kindred, the inner earth kindred, the angelic, the illumined, all of that. Once you deviate from that, you're losing contact with those who are going to assist you in finding the path that is the highest resonance with spiritual consciousness, with the godness in all of us that we contain. I will conclude here, but please, I ask you to share this with those who are aware of this April 18th date and those who are simply receptive to understanding the deeper consciousness of, of timelines and reality. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, Michael. Yes, hello. And, and Maya uh, is with us too, right? Oh, yes, I'm here. Yeah, so Nancy, you, you have something to say? No, I, I mean, I had heard this uh, before, and before the 18th, actually, and I thought it was a great presentation of where, we're, where we have to focus. We don't focus against preventing something that might be bad happening. you got to focus on creating new and not get distracted. We have to have, you know, we have to understand situational awareness. We have to know what's happening around us. Um, but we don't have to get engaged with it. And I thought it was a great presentation. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, it's like that famous Buckminster Fuller quote. You know, it. you don't create a new reality by fighting an old system. You create a new system that makes the old system obsolete. And, you know, on the level of, of quantum reality and, and focusing on the positive outcome, as you say, you know, you don't pray to God, you know, cure my cancer. You you know, visualizing a body completely, um, you know, full of light and health and vitality with nothing that doesn't belong. And so, you know, this is this fine line. We walk this a lot on Radio 5G here. Nancy and I have talked about it a lot, you know, about, as you say, Maya, in this presentation, we need to be aware. You know, we need to understand what's going on and you know, we need to be focused on the new reality, on creating a world of, of healing and peace and freedom. <laughs> it's it's such a fine line to walk, and it is not easy, I tell you, because, you know, say, okay, well, we need to be generally aware. So here is our general awareness of the fact that they're using snake venom and microwave millimeter radiation to try to depopulate the planet now let us all pray and sing <laughs> well and, and you know there's we can do more than that we can do more than that in in that we there are techniques and systemic functions that we can uh, tap into uh, i'm not saying that prayer alone is an incredible thing i'm just saying there are aspects of prayer what is prayer you know prayer encompasses all kinds of intentional focus from the heart if it's intentional focus from the heart, it's prayer. And with, for instance, um, the Quantum Logic Interactive Program that I uh, instigated because of Thoth's guidance in 2020, I believe it was, we now have a network of people all over the world. Well, mostly in the United States, I will admit, but some in other countries. And uh, we are focusing um, through devices 
that are connected to our field, to our consciousness and systems, um, this energy that, that we can stream to the planet. And we're not streaming cure my cancer. We're streaming on the higher levels uh, that that tr that filter down and affect these particular nasties that are being, you know, installed in, in all directions around us. So, um, you know, we can do things like that as well. I'm sure there are other people working with things like, you know, like uh, Grail Vortex and, and all kinds of things. And you can do that, you know, without getting your 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 uh, hand stuck in the tar baby. Right. Yeah, that's the tricky part. And it is something that for those who are going to uh, check out um, the YouTube channel that uh, Reverend Maya and I have had for a couple of years now, uh, Blue Star Rising, the Templar Awakening. We, you know, there are several um, videos in which Maya goes into more depth about the um, the quantum cube, the 9010 technology, how that evolved into the quantum logica interactive movement, I think we might call it at this point, which it's not just that around the world group that Maya mentioned. It's also working with uh, inner earth kindred as well as uh, angelic elements and um, what we'll call star kindred. And that there is a cooperative effort, you know, on an energetic quantum level, seizing the lever of consciousness, frequency and vibration, which is where change is really going to happen. And um, you know, it's like, well, the, the mission that um, was done in, in Catalina with the quantum cube uh, a few weeks ago, you know, that was just one element, one foot soldier on the ground carrying out, you know, a... Um, uh, a grid mission to help shift one aspect of one place on the grid such that um, it was connecting to the strengthening of a positive timeline. Would that be an accurate way of describing what happened, Maya? Yes, indeed it would. And every single gear in the system uh, that we can put into place and have it functioning is a, a, is a win for you know, the, the Metatronic light field. Metatron both speaks of as the Metatronic is the full light and the Ortronic is the half light. And um, half light is not bad, but it's not complete. And if something isn't complete, there's a lack of knowledge, there's a lack of awareness. And when there's a lack of awareness, it can foster all levels and gradients of uh, dis-ease, including some really evil stuff. But there's a lot of gradients to that. So the more we can place systems into full light contact through the Metatronic field, uh, you know, the, it, the, the better it is. It's like it, it takes care of itself then. It heals itself. Right. And I'm remembering how you shared with me, this is maybe last year, quite a few months back, that you had received that there was a crucial turning point coming, that there was a potential danger and you didn't receive specifics about it, but that if we could get safely past a certain date, it's kind of like what was being put out around this April 18th thing, but it was at a, from a more elevated place. It felt like, you know, there's, if we safely get past, I'll say it was, you know, May 23rd, we'll just pick that date. You know, if we could safely pass May 23rd, then 
you know, we're in a much better situation. It's like a bad timeline has been averted. So let's all keep focused on, on the light. That was as specific as it got. Do you remember this? No, <laughs> don't. I'm sorry. I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I do. I remember it was a specific date. And he said, yeah, there's, it, you know, let's all keep focused on the light because if we get past a certain date, um, yeah. you know, we're, on, we're on a better timeline. Well, you know, um, these dates come and go. And that's why Thoth doesn't get too specific on any of them, because what we are doing is it's almost like a strobe light. And as as the the um, frequencies of the earth are strobing to find synchronization with full lights, the full light spectrum. So we have another strobe light coming in that's trying to disrupt that and say, come with us over here, over here. This is what you're looking for. Come over here. You know, and there's a there's a uh, there's a war, a reality war going on because of that. You know, so uh, what you're referring to was one strobe in the in the system that Thoth brought our attention to at the time. Right, and I, for those who may not have heard our, our previous programs with with Reverend Maya, or who you know aren't familiar with Blue Star Rising, um, when when Maya is referring to Thoth. That is the the name that you have the not just the name but the beingness of a very high stream of sacred knowledge that you have received over the last fifty years, which with a lot of sacred science, quantum reality that has been verified, uh, authenticated by major figures such as um, NASA astronaut um, Edgar Mitchell. Um, L. George Lawrence, inventor of the first laser, laser engine, that, you know, that this is, for those who may not be familiar, just to hear you casually reference Thoth, well, okay, who's Thoth? They look him up, oh, well, he's, you know, in the Egyptian pantheon, he is the deity, you know, associated with, well, with, with knowledge and healing and, and the history, and, and um, he's also associated with Hermes Trismegistus, uh, he is a a, a key um, archetypal figure um, in in that sense in in the history of hermetics. But he, he is also, of course, a reality as um, as an enlightened being who with with whom you know, Maya has has been in um, some amazing um, intimate relationship for many years and. You can believe that or not, but the the material that's come through, as you say, Maya, has been, you know, very consistent uh, over the years, has been validated. So I just wanted to give that little thumbnail sketch so that people understand when you say Thoth, that you're essentially talking about what you've also described as the Thothic stream of of knowledge and quantum realm teachings that, that you've received. Yes, yes, that's correct. Uh, there's a Thoth person. Uh, who once lived on the surface of the earth and now is an embodiment in the sacred hollow of the planet. Uh, and there's also the Thoth intelligence. That's his, you know, his field of consciousness, which is vast. There's the Thothic Akasha, where uh, that is, you know, an ordered system of teachings that are streamed through the Thothic stream. And, you know, Thoth used the word stream long before computers. 
way back. He called, he would talk about the streaming of this and the streaming. And so when, you know, this techie stuff arrived and they were talking about streaming Netflix and whatever, I'm going, oh my God, it's both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, one of those amazing little things. There's actually a lot of material that Maya brought out decades ago, like, you know, the New Earth Star, things of that. And somehow, even though you were not busy promoting your material, you were just receiving it and sharing it. So it wasn't like you had a huge audience, but it was so seminal and powerful that it found its way into common parlance. <laughs> There's a number of these terms and concepts and ideas that uh, that I believe are, are traceable to your work that, that you know people don't know the source of. Would that be accurate? Yes, in many instances, obviously there's not all, but I, I do come across it where it's pretty obvious, um, you know, that it came from my material. Yes. It's outright plagiarism, by the way. Yeah, you know, the whole lifted verbatim from Maya's work and presented by someone else yeah. as being theirs. But if anyway, you, not to... Yeah, I just was going to say one thing. If you've ever read the book, a Secret, uh, what is it called now? Uh, Mysteries of the Crystal Skulls, Joshua Shapiro, but actually it has a lot of different authors in it. There's 33 pages by uh, on Michael Kant, and I will say this outright because it's absolutely true, and all those 33 pages came from my material, which he actually ordered from me. I have a record of that. <laughs> so, you know, these things happen. You can't get too upset about it because what can you do? You know, you just spend your whole life trying to plug up the whole hole, you know, you just keep doing your, your thing and you put it in the light and it's going to work out fine. Well, me, and I, to me, that's our job. Our, that's our job. You know, I mean, plagiarism is when somebody takes your, your work and word for word copies it. But these people are researchers. If I had to give credit to every person that has given me knowledge, that's all I'd be doing. So yeah. to me, when so, when I see my work being out there under somebody else's name, I'm just thankful for it mm -hmm. because I think our job is to spread the truth. Right. Yes, you that's know? primarily it. I, I do feel, though, you know, um, if, if they have a source for that and they know there's a source for it, uh, they should just give a little credit or a little name or a little link. I think that's important. I do that. Um and if they I don't know the source for it, they should just say, I don't know the source, rather than saying it's theirs, you know. Oh, I yeah, agree with that. Yeah, we were yeah. talking page after page but of blatant, verbatim, word-for-word plagiarism presented under his name as if he wrote it. All he had to do was say, you know, because he knew darn well where it came from. All he had to do is, is say, you know, this is from the wonderful work of Reverend Meyer Tumid, and, you know, add some of his own thoughts and integration of it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, blatant plagiarism, which... Or takes of a, a you know a vibration of deception and falsehood, and and that we don't need. But I hear you, Nancy is. But you know, but see, you know, I don't get my knickers in a knot over it. <laughs> right, you've let it go years ago. You didn't follow it up. You didn't sue them. It's like, oh well, that happens. And like Nancy says, you know, we're all researchers, and I many a time, you know, I am paraphrasing without remembering where I, well, I heard this somewhere and somebody said something like this and we oh, need yeah, to look that's at it. different. That's entirely different. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Not just knowledge and we are all, you know, on the path together. Listen, right. can I, can I ask Maya a question? It's kind of off topic, but maybe not. Okay. Um, are you familiar with the uh, 
blue star kachina that came into oh. oh yeah 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 i've i've been aware of that and not from i wasn't aware of it when i originally received information on the blue star rigel i was not aware of it but that was a long time ago okay in the 1970s so by since then in the 80s or whatever i became aware of the blue star of the kachina and there is a correlation uh, uh, between the two, but I've never actually gone into it to a degree because it's not exactly the same, and yet it comes from the same source. I know that sounds very, you know. Uh, okay, okay. Let me let me interrupt you because you didn't let me finish. Because oh, I'm sorry. I want, yeah, because I want to know. I, I I put that out there because you know it's this blue plasma ball that came down on the twenty uh, first of February, twenty twenty and exploded over the shungite field are you yeah, familiar? I remember that i remember when you talked about that previously yes yeah now is have you ever seen or, or talked to thou about that that you know this is because i in my estimation that was the blue star kachina mm. that prophesized because now that happened on the 21st and michael was the one michael sent me this uh, video from RT I uh, dot TV I think it is but I don't think it's up anymore I think YouTube took it down but it was um, this this blue plasma ball it wasn't a meteorite there was no trail mm -hmm. okay, it wasn't a comet and it gets over the shungite field and I know it was directly over the shungite field because we know people there and they said yes it exploded right over the shungite field and yeah. It, now think of the time frame, okay? The prophecy associated with the Hopi's blue star Kachina is that it's the end of the old world and the beginning of the new world. And within 10 days, they began to lock down over COVID. Within uh, 10 days. After that, that's interesting. Well, I don't have any new information on that to share with you at this time, but Thoth um, speaks about the blue star Kachina as a interdimensional aspect of the blue star Rigel, and who's to say that that plasma ball wasn't, uh, you know, projected from that? I, I don't know, but it makes sense. Well, when 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 it happened, um, I'm not going to get into the whole story because we actually talked probably on five or six shows about it because we kept getting more information about what absolutely happened. But mm -hmm. I did a remote view of it. And I got in a position where I could see it coming in and then exploding. But from that point on, I went back in time because you can step back in time mm -hmm. and to see where it came from. And to be quite honest, I thought I was going to see some kind of a, a ship Ours or theirs. I thought it was some kind of a, you know, 3D type of thing. But sure. in fact, all I saw was a face. Hmm. That's interesting. And what kind of face? Face. Was it? face. it was a face of a, of a man. It was a human face. It wasn't completely clear. I didn't see details. It was like, you know, created out of smoke almost, you know, kind of dense smoke. But, you know, it was a face. Which you know, just took me right out of the remote. I mean, well, it was. And you know, somebody but, said to me, what, "What? What do you think it was?" I said, "If I had to make a, a, a description, I'd say it was a face of God, even though I, I don't know what God, you know. But it was some spiritual 
being that gave us this and who or what I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. what I love about it is what you, you know, shared in subsequent programs on it, Nancy, which is that the impact of this, you know, blue plasma ball explosion over the Shungite field in the Karelia region of northwestern Russia was that it upgraded and empowered the entire Shungite field over the planet. And that, correct me if I'm wrong, the impression I got was that it sort of increased the intentionality power of Shungite to work with, you know, um, bio-enhancing intention, such that we were always very careful in the beginning, way back three years ago when we started Radio 5G, hey, we're not saying that Shungite can stop 5G. But, you know, we shifted in that, um, what you've shared since then, Nancy, particularly in the wake of this blue plasma ball hitting the Shungite field, is that Shungite, you know, not just what was in the ground in Russia, but because of the, the quantum entanglement and the links due to the incredible rate of vibration and stability of the Shungite molecule, that that is throughout every piece of Shungite on the planet, including the one that I'm wearing around my neck right this second. Is that, is that accurate, Nancy? Yes, and interestingly enough, Gaia started pushing me to get more Shungite out there. Um, and people who listen to the station will know that I'm, I'm going out of my way to get people, you know, I'm talking Shungite all the time again, because she she just said there has to be more Shungite out there. So Walt said, wonder what that's about. And he took another measurement on the Shungite. And he said, I don't remember, I don't want to even quote the, the numbers because they were so huge. But he said, you know, he said, I don't I didn't even know that something could hold this kind of energy. It is absolutely off the charts how much more powerful it is. And I think that's what, what the push is, is get more Shungite out there. So right. even if you Shungite, go get more Shungite. You know, go over to the, to the website CosmicReality.com and go to the uh, home uh, tab. And under that, you'll see Nancy's, rec or it's just a Shungite recommendations. Those are my recommendations of what Shungite to buy. So all you have to do is... Click on the link and it'll take you right into Mystical Wares where you can purchase it. Now you can get into Mystical Wares, but it's got so much in that store you can get lost. So this is like a shortcut just to get for the Shungite. And I'm telling you, uh, the Shungite just keeps getting, and every piece, every particle of it, if one piece changes, so does in everything else. And that's why. Uh, the power, power is not the word, it's just the all-encompassing, it's like a cloud, a field of energy that is enhancing our ability to uh, manipulate reality. Like Maya is saying, the consensus of, of reality is changing. And as it changes, we become more empowered. So it's this, this continual merry-go-round of, uh, and just balls turning and bubbles and there's so many things happening but it is exciting and you know you're we're all very lucky to be here we should be grateful that we're here to see this oh absolutely and you know as we were speaking nancy i looked i had a feeling i had this on my uh, uh one of my blogs blue meteor strike shungai deposit in russia and it said uh, um so gave me information which would seem to validate your receipt and self-intelligence has since agreed with Nancy's insight on this event. So I do have it up there 
and that's that's what it says. <laughs> Are you there? I, yeah, I had myself yeah. muted. Yeah. When I asked, when I asked the question, Gaia was pushing me to ask it, and I said okay, and I didn't remember that you had done that back then. So no, I just I'm glad I asked the question. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but when guy says something to me, I I I don't have any. Uh, well, it feels not. I just say, yeah. Not that much of a tangent, actually, to me. When you take this program today, and you think about you know what we started out with, and the 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 final message of that section about like, hey, this is not about fear and panic. You know, this is about understanding what's going on. And then Maya coming in with about how our understanding of what's going on can allow us to focus higher intentionality into what I think you called, you know, the the bigger perspective, the cosmic perspective on half light to whole light, oratronic to metatronic. And, you know, to know that Shungite has been, whatever you want to call it, empowered, upgraded, that the energetic signature, you know, as, as Derek is reading it and other people, energy sensitive people in Russia, I know that you work, that you have worked with before, Nancy, that um, to me, this is like, you know, the best news. This is the big picture news about how the tide is turning, you know, as scary as, as things are, um, the tide is turning. Um, let me just ask, Maya, are you sensing that? Can you give us any perspective on um, you know, from what you receive about how things are going for us, you know, in, in this tide-turning moment. Yes. Well, I definitely agree with you, Michael. Uh, from from the Thothic perspective, he's always telling me, but especially right now. For instance, um, let me interrupt myself for a moment. Um, you know, this, old, this thing about the old guard and the new guard of the owl, the one world legion, which people, you know, have other names for one new world order elite, whatever. And, you know, way back in the 90s, those told me that the old guard was shifting into the new guard, but the new guard was everybody's bad as the old, maybe even worse. It just looked better. It had a better persona, good branding, you know. Uh, that's why he would refer to them as the rainbows, because they weren't real rainbows, but they were like shiny rainbows and unicorns. Come with us to the yellow brick road, you know, and all of this stuff. And so now, you know, it has come true, at least from what I receive, um, that the, uh, you know, the old guard and the new guard, the old guards gradually becoming the new guards. It's not some kind of battle where they're fighting it out at the OK Corral. But the old guard is going, oh, I think, yeah, maybe we better switch. And the new guard is saying, yes, come, come, come. You have no other choice. This is how it is now. So uh, this has been uh, about three years ago, I guess it was. So started speaking about it again and saying, you know, it's coming to the to the the point where the old guard is going to be totally absorbed into the new. That was about three years ago. If you recall, Michael, I started talking about it again then. And um, so just the other day, Tho said, well, you know, you don't even have to say new guard anymore. Just say owl. If it's really an element, a fragment of the old guard, you can say old guard. But everything else is new guard. So in other words, basically, except for tiny little fragments that are left, the owl is the new guard. So you don't really have to qualify it anymore. That's what he was telling me. So but by saying that, wait, wait a minute, I didn't finish my <laughs> 
didn't finish my thought. So, uh, yeah, good news. right, because the new guard is still bad news. OK, but the point he's making here about this is that as this shifts and everything becomes more new guard, which we don't want either, uh, we have a better ability to to uh, the, the inner light network has a better ability to shift the frequency because as long as, you know, the old guard was hanging on to some of these tentacles, making it a really strong, heavy sequencing. Now the new guards got hold of it, but you see the good news about the new guard, even though they have AI stuff at hand and all this that they want to do, there's a growing number of younger people that were recruited into the new guard, you know, on some level or another. It's not like all the new guard or all the owl knows everything, the same thing. There's levels, need to know, you know, and this new uh, uh, young people that have been recruited into the U-Guard, um, they have a very low level of need to know, but they're beginning to see some things they don't like. They thought it was going to be, you know, a lot more enlightening. Yeah, they were going to get rich and have a good position and all of the stuff that the techies want, but at the same time, they were they were sold on saying, oh, well, this is going to help the planet. Yeah, you know, in the long run, it'll help the planet, make us rich too, and we'll be empowered, and da-da-da-da. Now they're beginning to look at it and go, wait a minute, maybe that's not true. Some of them are going to turn a blind eye, will turn a blind eye, but there's quite a few of them that are going, I don't like this, and now I'm in it really deep. How do I get out? And that is the Achilles heel, because the inner light network has contacts with them, and they're helping them to to be ungroomed and come out of that frequency. And as they do, they can come out with a lot of information, a lot of uh, savvy how to change to switch things around. Uh, that's a long answer, I know, but it's it's a complicated <laughs> it's complicated. But the bottom line is is that in a very short period of time, uh, things are happening. And even though they may still look bad, uh, they're happening in a way that allows the higher light frequencies to stream in and enter the picture, which was very difficult to do with old guard stuff. It had so many cloaks on it. Right. Well, I'll take that as good news. You know, we talk often about the inner light network, the ILN, which is the counterpoised, um, I won't call it organization, it's more brother sisterhood of high level souls who, just like you hear about, you know, oh, the Illuminati has the tentacles in every field and in every industry and they're in, you know, military and Pentagon and intelligence and big pharma and big agro and the control. Well, there is also an elite network of highly advanced souls also infiltrated into all those places, also placed at key junctures, also monitoring it, working with each other to stay ahead of the dark factions plans. And they're also working with divine intention, quantum intention, uh, inner earth allies. So that's the good news. We always like to pop yeah. in the good okay, news. Okay, the bad news is we're out of time. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, but it's all good. It's been a great program. And thanks, uh, Reverend Maya, Christine Nartumit for, for joining us. And I'm going to send you a link to the playlist or the reality war on Blue Star Rising. Uh, you know, um, Nancy, when you put the video up, you might want to put the link in there to make it easy for people to go right to it. You hear the other two episodes and okay. more. 
We won't have a video, but we'll get it up there. Okay. There we go. Uh, we've been uh, banned. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for tuning in. God bless us, everyone. See you next time. You've been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening.